0: Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tenant. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome back to Apply Filters, episode 27. Today is going to be a continuation of what we talked about last episode, uh, and it's all about business. As developers that are leading businesses in the WordPress world, there are certain challenges that we face that we're maybe not entirely accustomed to facing or that other developers aren't accustomed to to facing. And we want to talk some more on, on that. Specifically, we want to talk about uh, where do we get inspiration and motivation to keep working and building businesses. And then uh, we're going to directly answer some questions that a listener had regarding uh, dealing with sales and support growth. Uh, so, Brad, why don't we go ahead and start out. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you find personal motivation.
0: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of different sources. Um, I guess I, I'm kind of a podcast junkie, I guess you would say. Uh, <laughs> I've got, I pretty much have to prove... It seems pro- appropriate
1: that you would co-host podcasting. <laughs> yeah,
0: that might have had something to do with starting this thing. Because, I, I mean, I get so much inspiration from other podcasters that have been at it for years, right? They, they're on, like, episode 200 and something. And I'm just like, holy yeah. crap, these guys are... These guys are crazy. Um, dedicated. Yeah. Probably um, my favorite would be the Tropical MBA podcast. Um, and the reason is because I love traveling. And these guys just kind of travel the world and, uh, you know, run their businesses remotely. And so I'm kind of living vicariously through them. So it's um, it's always fun to hear where, where they are next and, and that kind of thing.
1: That is really cool.
0: Um, and the other one is uh, startups for the rest of us. Um, and those guys also have a, a conference that I attend every year. and they just they spend each episode you know either answering a listener question about business or just kind of giving a report on their own businesses. And uh, those guys are software guys as well. Those are developers who have turned into business owners. And so it's very relevant um, to what we do, I think. So really great podcast. Check those two out for sure. Have you ever listened to those?
1: I've never listened to either one, but I, I hear about them constantly (laughs) from from you and from others. Uh, So clearly they're, they're great things. I actually find myself not listening to podcasts very often unless I'm driving in the car. Yeah. So when I'm driving, I really like to have a podcast. Um, I don't, I don't like to zone. I mean, I zone when I'm driving, I tend to zone out a little bit, but I, for me zoning <laughs> out is thinking that, that thinking doesn't of, sound good <laughs> well it's like thinking about something a lot right so uh and and for me like listening to a podcast on a three-hour drive is a way to keep my mind active and right and yeah keeps yeah me going.
0: i i usually i'm the same way i and so i've actually cut my cut back my audio just listening to audio stuff like i listen to audio books as well because we've moved into a town so i do a lot less driving places sure um but I, I tend to, to listen to it while I'm doing like while I'm preparing supper or while I'm doing the dishes and yeah I'll do that, 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 that sometimes that stuff so yeah so I try try to check in with those those podcasts when I can they're really good so what what other things motivate you you mentioned like dreaming what what do you mean by that
1: um, yeah so this is something I I think I mentioned a little bit at the end of last episode um, for me a, a really big motivation. Is that overall like goal that you want to achieve? Uh, and honestly, it doesn't really matter what the goal is. Um, so I've heard people say like, "Oh, my goal is to make a business that brings in a million dollars a year." Awesome, you have a goal, <laughs> and right. you work towards it. I've heard other people say that their goal is to just make their business successful enough that they can spend their day surfing. That's right. awesome. Um, I bet you. I, knew it, who the, about I know having, who that was too. I know. I who bet that you was. do. I bet you it was uh, Shane, wasn't it? Was yeah, it Shane? It was Shane. <laughs> but I, I, I took that quote to heart. Like, to me, that was a really great example of defining what you personally want out of your business. And if that, if your business allows you to do what you want to do, no matter what it is, you are successful for you. And I think that's the most important. Uh, and so for me, like dreaming in, in that sense and having some sort of goal that I'm reaching towards keeps me motivated because that's what I want to achieve. Right. Whether it's in a year or 10 years, um, I'm pushing towards that. Are
0: you dreaming like, like when the dream of like a million dollars or whatever, is that like, I want a yacht or is that like a million dollars in revenue that you want the business to achieve and, and you know, you'll have employees and and that kind of thing.
1: Well, I mean, obviously I think it, it differs for everyone. For me, uh, I have no interest in owning a yacht. I would like to go sailing, but. You I live, live in Kansas, Kansas. Is there yeah, is there a man. place where you could put a yacht there? No, the, the biggest body of water that we have is a lake that's 45 minutes away. And you could put a little sailboat on it, but it'd be a little one. A yacht's not gonna get me do me very well. It's actually funny <laughs> because every time I drive to my coffee shop, there is a giant yacht that lives in a parking lot. It's been sitting on a trailer for a year. And every time I drive by it, I just think, where did you use this thing like there is not a body of water big enough within 500 miles to put this thing like why is it here i don't understand (laughs) yeah Yeah. i have so i have very little interest in in owning a yacht (laughs) yeah
0: yeah Uh, same here
1: for me personally like i don't really have monetary goals like there are i mean there's some i would i wouldn't include specific dollar amounts for me i want to be Mm -hmm. sustainable obviously I want to be able to provide for a, su- a sustainable living for others. Uh and I would like to be able to not have to work. Like if I if I choose yeah. not to. That's so f- my
0: That's like freedom, right? That's what a lot of people say, a lot yeah. of entrepreneurs say. Yeah. Is I a-
1: want I want to get to the point where I can say that I've achieved a freedom of not having to work in order to pay my bills.
0: Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Or s- not having
1: not having to work an excessive number of hours, put it that right.
0: way. Yeah. I mean, that's the similar motivations for me as well.
1: Um, I also think that, that dreaming goes much further than that. Um, so we kind of stuck within the realm of like, where do, you, where do you dream of your business going? Like, what's the goal of your business? But for me, at least, I think motivation and having that drive to do more goes much further than just what you want the business to do. So I, I have an example uh, one of the things that keeps me really motivated to work uh, and to grow my business and make it more successful is what I want to do outside of business. So I've recently become very interested uh, and in love with brewing and brewing beer. And one of my goals is in the next 10 to 15 years is to open a local brewery here. We don't, there's, there's not a brewery within 150 miles of where I live, maybe, maybe, maybe 100 miles. And I would love to see one here. And so that's a goal is in the next ten to fifteen years, to make that a reality. And that keeps me really motivated to make the business today successful so that in the future I can transition into something else
0: right. So it's like, um, it's like your retirement dream almost right
1: yeah, it's like yeah, or. Yes, yeah, so I, I think that's a good way to put it. It's what I want to do when I'm done with this. Or right. not necessarily done with this, but when I want to, to supplement with something else, when I want to scale this back a little.
0: Right. Hmm. That's cool. So what are the other things that are inspirations? I find conferences are huge. I mentioned yeah, uh, micro, MicroConf is one of the ones I go to. It's one of my favorites. Uh,
1: that's I've, definitely on my list for this upcoming yeah. year.
0: It takes place in Vegas and they also have one, uh, so at Vegas in May or April, I can't remember, microconf.com anyway. Uh, and they have, uh, microconf Europe now as well, uh, in Prague. So if you're looking for a European adventure, that'd be a way to go. That's um, cool. yeah. And, uh, what are some other conferences? Well, there's Prestige. Um, we, we mentioned that last so week. Pres-
1: yeah, right? Prestige is this weekend, two right. days from now, um, which should be really cool. I'm hoping to tune in. I'm actually going to be sitting in my garage brewing, uh, and will hopefully tune in while sit while the pot boils away. Nice. Uh, I find even smaller conferences like WordCamps are really inspiring. You get to go around and meet other people that are in a similar business as you, uh, or that are that are either uh, running successful businesses or, or are aspiring to it. Yeah. Uh, and then more business focused conferences in WordPress like Pressnomics is really awesome. Right. Uh, it's, I I really like Pressnomics for yeah. side of things. So, so really for those who
0: don't know, Pressnomics is a WordPress business-focused conference. So it's all about WordPress, the business of WordPress. Similar to, to Prestige, I believe that's what Prestige is all about as well, right?
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. And then um, you mentioned WordCamps. And, and <laughs> man, some of the WordCamps are huge, though. Like they Miami. Like
1: WordCamp they just finished? It was huge.
0: Oh, Yeah. Where? Sorry, I, I, what was that? WordCamp?
1: What? That was WordCamp Europe. That was just last oh, yeah. weekend, I think. Right. Um, I don't remember how many attendees they had, but I think it was, it was approaching the size of WordCamp San Francisco.
0: Really? Um, uh, but do yeah, you Do huge. you know the? Yeah, you don't know the numbers. I eh? what? Like, how does it uh, compare to Miami? I, like on the, what what kind of uh, It's
1: bigger than Miami. Yeah. Man. M- Miami is definitely one of the larger WordCamps.
0: Cool. Um, I was super impressed by Miami. I mean, I haven't. That was the first uh, U.S. based WordCamp I'd ever been to, so it was. So I have nothing to compare it to. So <laughs> that's why I'm asking. I've been um,
1: to I've been to, to WordCamps that had 50 people and ones that had 1,500. So wow. I mean, there's there's a huge range. I think my favorite thing about them, though, is is getting to. I like what people have nicknamed the the hallway track. Yeah, which is basically hanging out in the hallways or in the common areas. And, and talking to other people and meeting them. Uh, sometimes you're meeting people that you've known online for a long time. Maybe sometimes you're meeting brand new faces and names. Uh, but you, you get to a hear a lot of cool stories from, from people, learn about cool businesses that other people are running, and maybe yeah. get some insight into your own.
0: Yeah, I, I love the hallway chatter. I love, uh, I love the networking time. Like at conferences, oftentimes the, the talks are kind of kind of the side thing. You know, I, yep. I, for me, like the, the networking is, is the big thing. The one-on-one conversations. Well, my, my
1: favorite part is, like you said, is the networking, but my, generally, generally my favorite part is the after party, yeah. uh, because that's where everybody's just going to talk. Uh, which yeah. is the same reason why I don't like after parties that have really loud music because then you can't talk very well. Right. I'd, I'd, those uh, are definitely the most, most valuable to me.
0: Yeah. One, one other note about, uh, microconf is that there's a contingent of WordPress businesses there. So, so, uh, if you're running a WordPress business, a plugin or theme or whatever, there are the other people there that are, have very similar businesses to what you have. And so, um, it's always good. We kind of tend to be a little clicky actually <laughs> kind of, they kind of congregate together yeah. and go to dinner together and kind of, yeah, it's kind of like a little subgroup of, of the group. So
1: that's it. That's probably pretty normal though.
0: Yeah. It's wild too. The first, the first, uh, First night, there was, like, a social, right? And they had it in this pretty good-sized room. And it was so loud in there. Just from people talking, there was no music whatsoever. But people were just so... There was was so much energy the first night, right? People were super excited to be there that, like, people were just basically yelling at each other, It was awesome. And people had no voices the next day and stuff. It was just... It was wild. So...
1: What about... Uh, this is something that I find really helpful in, not just in getting, in getting motivated, but also in getting advice, uh, are like things like mastermind groups. Oh yeah. Uh, I know Brett, you and I obviously participate together in a mastermind group where we yep. get together once, uh, once every two weeks and talk business, it, uh, and it can be anything. It could be, uh, like what were recent struggles that we had in our businesses recently or recent achievements. Uh, yeah. or or tactics um, Brad, what do you think are some of the most valuable things that that we can get out of those
0: well the the big difference between a mastermind and just you know talking business with whoever is that you kind of bring kind of a set of rules to a mastermind basically everything you talk about is confidential and you can put pretty much anything on the table talk about all your numbers you can talk about kind of anything that's confidential and then and you just have the trust in the group that those things won't kind of get leaked out, out of the group. Um, and,
1: uh, I think it's really important. Yeah. I think it's really important for business. Like if you want to talk business with someone, um, because let's be honest, numbers matter a lot, uh, and details about like numbers in business matter a lot. Uh, and so if I think being able to talk about those in a, in a private setting, with other people that are in similar positions as you is really helpful.
0: Right. Yeah. And there's other things like, you know, if you're having trouble with an employee or something, you know, we can talk about that or, you know, there's just all kinds of things that you really don't want to talk about publicly. um, That, that is really great to be able to bring to that group and have the support of those people. Definitely. Um, And uh, I guess the other point of a mastermind group is that they're, they're small. They shouldn't be. Uh, you know, five is getting kind of, <laughs> kind of big because the lot, the more people you add, right, the less time each person has to speak in, in your, know, you know, your right. hour-long meeting or whatever. So, I yeah, know and
1: I, I think you want you want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to to speak up and have their voice heard and to get their issues addressed. Yes, uh, and that gets exponentially harder the more people you add.
0: Yes. And, and it gets harder to schedule. It, it, everything gets harder, right? Yeah. Um, I've heard people that had a mastermind. Oh, yeah, we got 12 people in the mastermind group. I'm like,
1: that doesn't sound like a mastermind group at all. <laughs> no, I mean, the one thing I will say about uh, a larger group that is definitely beneficial is that you have a lot wider ranges of experiences mm-hmm. uh, that can contribute to a discussion.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, what you could do um, is you you could have two mastermind groups right and meet meet each one like on an off week. Right. So each week you would end up meeting with a different mastermind group. Um, So that's some, some people might prefer that. Um, Anyway, there's like, there's a startups for the rest of us episode uh, that, Basically describes how you should, how you can set up a mastermind group and what are how it should work and that kind of stuff. We'll link nice. that up oh. in the show notes uh, so people. Yeah, that'd definitely it. be
1: really good for anybody who's interested in getting one set up or participating in one. I actually uh, am part of two different mastermind groups. I have the one that is Brad and I and another person, and then another one that I do uh, every other Friday on the alternate week, uh, which is with us a, a group of five people, uh, and it's really cool to see the the differences between them two but they're both very valuable but we we i noticed that in the larger group we definitely talk about different things
0: right yeah i i mean i can't yeah i can't stress enough how important this is once you get going with business like just to bounce ideas especially if you're a single founder right if you have no business partner i mean you're really just bouncing things off the wall to yourself right (laughs) If you can bounce them off of someone else and they can actually process it and, and then give you feedback, I mean, that's huge, right? When you're a single absolutely. founder.
1: Absolutely. I, I just I think for anybody who is interested in starting one uh, or participating, I think it's absolutely crucial that you agree with everyone else involved that you can talk about private information safely because otherwise it's not going to be that useful. If you can't talk about numbers and other private information, then there's not a whole lot of value you're going to get out of it because that's when you really start to get the value from a mastermind group is when you can talk about the things that you wouldn't talk about otherwise.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you go to a conference like microconf as well, um, it's kind of, a it kind of goes without saying that you should share numbers and, and disclose things like that when you're talking to people there, because if you don't, people kind of feel that you're guarded, right? That you're not sure. opening up um, so that's one thing I learned uh when I was going when I went to white microconf. It's better to kind of open up about about your business and how how your numbers are doing and that kind of thing so
1: interesting I would not have known that
0: yeah I mean it depends where you are right you have to at that particular conference that's how how it was. I'm not sure if that applies at somewhere like pressnomics or prestige uh, uh I don't think so no.
1: <laughs> now, if you choose if you choose to open up, no one's gonna be like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" Uh, right. It's perfectly accepted. It's just not necessarily expected of you,
0: right? Hmm. Anyways, uh, books. Did, do you read books on business or no?
1: I don't. Right. I actually don't think I've ever read a single business book.
0: <laughs> I I uh, I have in the past, but I haven't very. I haven't read many recently. Mostly just because I I find it. Most of my reading is before bed and I cannot read business before bed because then my mind starts racing, right? So I just can't right. get to sleep. Um, but I've started to listen to audiobooks and I got through The Inner Game of Tennis uh, in audiobook and that was that was really good, really great book. Um, Blue Ocean Strategy I read a, quite a while ago and it's really good for inspiration. Um, I... Definitely check that one out. I, my mind was just firing, like sparking, like crazy when I was reading that book because you get all kinds of ideas for businesses. So if you're in the uh, idea phase where you're looking at, you know, trying to figure out what idea would be the like the good one to go after, that's a great book for for someone at that stage. If you've already got a business, it's probably a terrible book because <laughs> because you should be really focusing on your business, not trying to think of a new business to start um and uh rework by jason freed and I, think uh, I actually
1: have read that one
0: have you okay i either yeah.
1: read rework or their other one they wrote
0: yeah that's a great book right it's just it's just little essays right from their blog i think um yeah and maybe a I little bit awesome. of bonus material
1: the the guys from 37 signals uh the guys are they made Basecamp, are awesome they've yeah. got so much good insight
0: yeah, they're huge bootstrapper um, advocates, right? They yep. they really, uh, they're not shy about talking about, uh, you know, venture capital being, like, an evil, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's always uh, entertaining to, to hear their, their thoughts. Um, Getting Things Done by David Allen, also known as GTD. That was a really good book that I read a while back, uh, just about, like, how to organize things and and get things done faster and in the right priority and that kind of stuff it's basically a system for that um there's lots of software out there that actually implements the ideas in that book uh like a task task managers and stuff yeah um and then anything by seth godin um yeah i think i've read
1: some of his blog posts and essays and they're great
0: yeah they'll, they'll pop up on your twitter feed every now and then probably right like He's his stuff is pretty, pretty, pretty good. Prevalent. Yeah, so anything he writes is, is pretty solid. So yeah, that's about about it. I've like I said, I haven't read too much recently, but
1: that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, why don't we go ahead and move to? Uh, we had some really great great questions come in from one of the listeners. Uh, his name is John Bracket. Uh, he runs a plugin development site. Uh, he's responsible for one called Custom Facebook Feed. And he's, he's running a business, and he, he says that it's doing well. Uh, and we want to address some questions that he asked, he asked, because I think they're really great. Uh, and they're questions that you're going to run into if you're running your own business, or if you're just starting one, or you're thinking of running them. And there are some that we've actually run into really recently, uh, both Brad and I have. Mm-hmm. So first, I want to actually just go ahead and read uh, verbatim what, what John wrote is because it, it sets it up pretty well. So John says, I'm a regular listener, and I've loved the last business-oriented episode. I'm a WordPress plugin developer and currently just a one-man band. Sales have been good, but due to the increase in sales, there's also been an increase in support tickets. I'm finding it difficult to effectively balance both support and work in the plugins themselves. I'm considering hiring another developer to help me with support so that I can focus more on the business, and would love to hear about how you guys handle hiring and managing your support team. So We've got two. Th- we've got a couple things here. Number one, he's he's obviously got a business that's up and running. His sales are doing well, and he's handling support. But he's starting to run to the issue of there's support becomes a hard job. Uh, the more successful your your business becomes, uh, in this case in sales, you're going to get more and more support, yeah. and it becomes more and more difficult to balance that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, why don't we? So first
0: of all, th- the first thing I thought of here is. This is a good reason to hire someone, um, but there is also another good reason to hire someone. And that is that if you're, say you're a de- developer, uh, your your job, if you're building a product, should be to control like the user experience, right? To, to make sure that, that the user has the best experience possible. Now, if you're also coding that product, right, sometimes you take shortcuts, right, <laughs> to say, You know, if it's easier to do it this way, you do it that way. Whereas for the user, it might be better to do it the hard way, right? And so if you hire someone to do it, right, you can be the kind of um, the quality control or the user experience kind of police and make sure that the developer does it the best way for the user, right? Right.
1: Um, Focusing more on making it a successful product as opposed to just getting the job done
0: yeah exactly i mean i i can relate to this because i've taken shortcuts in the past uh oh, yeah. just, just because it's easier right <laughs> um whereas right. Here, it, it wasn't we'll, always the we'll best decision it, we'll
1: ship it this way for now because at least it gets the job done we'll improve it later two mm-hmm. years later it hasn't changed
0: Exactly. Exactly. So I'd say that that is another really good reason why you should be considering hiring someone. Uh, if you Absolutely. have a, a if you have a support um, surplus and you're finding it hard to keep up, that's also a really good reason. So I think um, that John is definitely a, in a good a really position good to hire.
1: Yeah. I want to give a really good example of like so. Um, so first of all, I just hired a, a full time employee recently. Um, he's actually somebody that has been working with me as a contractor for a while, but he, he is now a full-time salaried employee. Um, and one of the things that he's doing is he's actually working on some of the internals of the business in terms of like the web, the, the website that, that the powers the business, some of our own tools, things like that. And there's some really kind of hacky half-assed things that we did early on just to launch the, the site and launch the products. And to be honest, they actually, some of them have made it more difficult to run things or more time consuming. Mm -hmm. And so these have been things that I've always looked like I need to, I need to improve this. I should fix this. But I would always have the excuse of I've got more important things to work on because they don't really hurt. They're not that important. Right. But one of the things that he's doing is he's going through and he's improving a lot of these. So, for example, we pushed some updates uh, a couple of days ago. That cut the amount of time it takes to deploy a new version of a plugin to the site in half, um, and like that's huge. Yeah, and that it, those kinds of things are now things that we can do more easily because he's working there. F- he's working full time on these things.
0: Right. So John's so what, first question here is, uh, do you hire them as a full time salaried employee? And I guess the alternative is to to bring them on part time. Um, so I, I can tell you what, what we do. We've, we've just gone through about six months of hiring <laughs> uh, yeah. where we had people come on board on a trial basis for four to six weeks usually and just to try them out to see if they're a fit for us and if we're a fit for them, right? So, uh, And what happened is we ended up going through probably a dozen people. Before we found the two developers that we hired uh, two last couple weeks. And, and so I, I think that trial process is really important. Um, but I, I would hire full-time. I think as long as he has the revenue to support that person, right? And you know y- you're not going to be laying them off in three months if sales plummet. I think, I think hiring a full-time is, is the way to go. You know, I'm making a lot of assumptions here, too. I don't yeah, know his wanna, numbers and stuff. I want to so. add
1: a few things to that. Um, so I've done the same kind of trialing process. I've, mine's been structured a little more informally than yours. I've, uh, I know, Brad, you and I have talked uh, more in depth about how you handle the trialing process. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, what I've always done is I'll hire people as contractors uh, and maybe they're, they're working in the support forms. Uh, part-time, or maybe they're doing some, some develop, some plug-in development for me part-time. Uh, and if we work together over the course of six months or a year, and we work really well together, I know that you're probably a good fit as a full-time employee. Um, and if you're not, that's okay. Um, yeah. But it, it, I think doing that in the same way that doing a trial does, it protects you both from getting into a position where you realize either they're working for the wrong boss Or you hired the wrong employee, Um, and and I think that's one good way to do it. Salary, uh, it one of the nice things about doing contract work is if your business is still starting out and you don't necessarily have the revenue stream to support something full time, is it can it can vary. So if you have a really good sales month, you can contract more work. If you have a poor sales month, you can cut back a little bit. So one of the things that I really wanted to do before I started hiring full-time employees is I wanted to make sure that I had their salaries guaranteed. Hmm. So maybe that was simply due like, because of sales volume, that we knew that based on trends that we were going to have it. Or maybe it's because there was a reserve set aside in the bank to pay them their full-time. I think both of those are things that you should probably consider if you get into hiring full-time.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really... um how much risk you're comfortable with, I guess, yeah. and, and, and making it clear. Also, um, I, when I hired Chris, who's the first employee, I made it very clear to him, you know, we could be shutting down in three months, right? Cause this is a startup. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know if this is going to work, right? Is because I hired him, um, before we even launched, right? Before we even had sales. So so it was it was That's a gutsy move. Yeah, I mean I had my you know we had cash in the bank but you only have so much right? There's a runway, you know. And so if this thing didn't work out, you know, I might have been going back to freelancing and he might have been looking for a job, right? And so I if you put that up front to to the person, I think I think it's okay cuz they're accepting that risk. Um it's not ideal and if I know there's a lot if you can rack up a you know a huge Wad of sure. cash, then. I know great. there's a lot of
1: <laughs> companies that really compartmentalize things. So, like finances of the company, administration of the company, etc., um, is very, very. It's 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 kept in the in the administration, and there's none of that carried over to the employees, uh, and that's that's perfectly fine. But one thing that I like that I think helps a lot in building a cohesive team and building one that people like want to work with uh, is not necessarily making that everybody knows what sales numbers are or anything like that, um, but it's being very open. Like, if we have a great sales date, I'll tell the team, like, hey, guys, this was awesome. Hmm. Like, if one of you is responsible for this, great. Same thing, like, when we uh, hired Sean recently, like, I told, like, I gave him some, um, some reassurances in terms of, like, this is where we are as a position, so you should be able to feel comfortable. Uh, and I, I think being open and honest about the business with the people that are involved with it, with you is really important and can really help build that better team. Right. Which yeah. I think actually leads into, uh, one of John's next questions. Uh, he asked, do you give employees admin access to a site? Do you let them handle payments, transactions, refunds, etc.? Uh, for me, this varies. So, uh, I have, we have a couple different levels that we have in terms of like admin access to the site. So we have like, there's full on admin that can do anything. They can view all, all, uh, e- all the e-commerce data. They can do anything they want. And then there's some that just have access to like updating a plugin page or updating content, uh, support tickets, et cetera. And I think it's entirely up to you. And it's really, do you, do you trust them or not? Uh, to be honest, if you don't trust them, probably you shouldn't hire them. <laughs>
0: yes. I was just going to say that I, I give the keys to the castle to, yep. to my employees because it, I, I mean, if I don't trust them a hundred percent then something's not working. Right. So yeah.
1: the only, the only keys that, that I tend to keep are simply like access to, to PayPal and Stripe, simply because there's no need for them to have those. Right. Uh, but if they did, yes, I would trust them.
0: Right. Yeah. Because I again, probably. I think I, think I should probably both, turn off access to those now that I think about it. <laughs> we, well, um,
1: you can also, you can always, what I've done as well is uh, you can set up extra user accounts. Right. Both PayPal and Stripe support this where they have access to do things like process refunds, but okay. they don't have access to transfer funds out of the account. Right. you know, I, Which can be very helpful.
0: Yeah. Even then, I th- I've thought about this because, it's, it, you know, I saw how my balance is kind of getting up there in PayPal. Stripe doesn't, there's no such thing as a balance in Stripe, really. Um, but not PayPal, PayPal but yeah. PayPal's getting up there. And I was like, hmm, maybe I should do something about this because all, all the boys have access to, <laughs> to, to this. And then I was thinking, you know what? This is not even close to their annual salary. Why would they jeopardize that? for for a small immediate payout. I mean that's, and and plus I trust them, right? Like, I, so I, I think it's really it really always comes down to trust. Um, I agree. Which is so.
1: John's next question is which how do you find developers you can trust? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah. This is that's hard. hard. That's hard. It's super yeah. hard because here's the thing: you don't know if you can trust someone until you've worked with them for a while. You don't know if you can trust them until you've given them access to do something to give, given them the ability to do something that would make you break their trust, that would make them break your trust.
0: Yeah, so.
1: Because you're only going to find out if you can't trust them is if they actually choose to break that trust, yeah. uh, which is kind of rough. I really like, um, if you pay any attention to how Automatic hires, Yeah. it's yeah. really cool. Uh, Dave Clements wrote a really good blog post a few months ago about his experience trying to hire at Automatic. So Automatic has a trialing process where you work for like three months, I think, or maybe it's a month for them to see if you're a good fit. Uh, And on day one, they give you keys to the castle. Like he was telling, Dave was talking about how he had access to every single site on wordpress.com. He had access to everything. And it's because they've given you the keys to the castle to determine if you're trustworthy. If you're trustworthy, you're gonna show it very quickly. Um,
0: (laughs) Or if you're, sorry, I think you should rephrase that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we put that You're gonna stumble. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's that's pretty much I I used Dave's um blog post as a guide when I was setting this up, actually the trial process. But obviously we had to tweak it and, and stuff as we went. Um one one of the mistakes I made is I gave them the keys to the castle and I had them, you know, doing development and support and like kinda everything at once and it was overwhelming. Just too much. So I changed the process to be, okay, I'll give you the keys to castle, but here's like, let's start with this. Let's start with development and let's yep. like ease you into it.
1: So that's one of the things that worked really well for me recently with Sean, who is now full-time. Uh, he worked for me for about three months as a contractor, but he only did one thing. He only did support. That was right. all he did. That was what he did for three months. Um, and so that kind of gave him the first, like, here, let's get used to the feel of things and see how it works and now when he comes on as full as a full employee he has the keys to the castle
0: right yeah yeah i mean we don't give we don't really give the keys to the castle on the the first day to the trial uh, trial sure. you kind of get what you need to do the things that you're working on and then as you progress through the trial you, the rest of the the rest of the things open so up so
1: beyond beyond just trust i think provide uh, entrusting employees with with that kind of level of access does a couple of things. Number one, I think it empowers them. Um, mm-hmm. it, it empowers any, even I might even say inspires them in a way because you're basically saying you have access to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I trust you. I know that you're going to do a good job and that can be a huge motivator for someone. Right. Um, like having someone say, yes, you have access to do all of this is pretty powerful. I remember when, in college, I worked at a theater uh, as a stagehand, and, like, we did a lot of Broadway shows. Uh, and I remember one of the most empowering moments of my, like, the four years that I worked there was the day that I, I got keys to the building. <laughs> because right. it told me that they trusted me enough to go in and out of the building at, at any time. I could, go op- I could go unlock the doors early in the morning if I got there before anyone else. I, w- I was able to shut it down. And I mean, we're talking about a building that has millions and millions of dollars of equipment in it. So that's not really a small statement of trust. Right. And that really, I think that means a lot to your personal self-worth.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I, think, that's, I think that's how you figure out if you can trust them, really. But I think I mean... it
1: also goes further than that. It also makes them more able to do their job. If you've hired someone to do something, but you constantly limit yeah. what they're technically able to do, they're not really doing their job as best they can because you still have to then do that extra work for them. Yeah. So a good
0: example a... of this is, um, so what we we were doing were, so we're getting to do them to do the development first. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes we would post like a help scout URL to a, an issue people were having inside a ticket or a, sorry, a GitHub issue. And then some people didn't have access to help scout, right? So that was a problem. <laughs>
1: That's not very useful then. Yeah.
0: So it's a blo- they couldn't see any of the information in Help Scout. And so I realized, oh, well, I've got to give them access to more things here. <laughs>
1: right? I've, I've got another example for that, which is a little different, though. Uh, so Sean's been doing some site development, fixing things around the site, both on the front end as well as the back end for our, for our, uh, like our tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, but initially, he could commit those and he could send them up to a staging server, but he couldn't send them to production. So here, here I was entrusting him with like fixing all of these issues, but then he wasn't actually able to fully fix them because he couldn't make them live. And I was like, wait, that's silly. Here, here's access, hit deploy, and you can go live. Now, we're going to have a general process because we want to ha- make sure that things are reviewed, not because we don't trust you to do it, but just because extra set of eyes is going to catch those little mistakes that everyone makes. Yeah. But suddenly it becomes much more valuable to have him able to fix a bug live than to say, okay, it's now ready. So when you get here on Monday morning, now you can go push it.
0: Right. Yeah. It's funny. um, One of the problems I have actually is is that our stuff is kind of so all over the place. So we've got like Google Docs with stuff in them. We've got GitHub. We've got Scrutinizer, CI. I've got Travis. There's so many different services that we're using. And we don't have like a way to kind of just turn the flip the switch or or even a checklist to go through and, and go enable <laughs> enable the, their access on all these services. So like sometimes I realize, oh, I haven't given them access to this. So then I, I've got to go and, and do that. It's so I do you have do you run into that issue at all or
1: um, a little bit, uh, but not as much because we've tried to really cut down on the number of things that we use. So. Basically, for us, it's GitHub, which I just have to add you as a team member that has the appropriate privileges. Uh, Access to Trello, which is where we manage all of our extensions. Uh, And access to the main website. And, uh, And then our internal chat room, which is Hall. So with those four things, you pretty much have access to everything.
0: Sorry, did you, what did you say? Hall? What is that?
1: Hall, H A L L. It's uh, if you're familiar with Slack or HipChat, it's another service like that.
0: I see. Okay, we we use uh, Slack. We just started using it probably a month and a half ago or something. Nice. Um, so that's actually one of John's other questions. Actually, what do we what do we use for communicating and and ticketing? How do you handle communication and ticketing?
1: I found that having having an internal communication system was really key to to building a successful team, and for actively or successfully communicating, like whether we're talking about an issue, yeah. uh, whether we're talking about a bug on the site or an enhancement, uh, or even if we're just hanging out talking about beer, like it doesn't matter. But I found that that was really, really important. And yeah. so for me, uh, and for the EDD team, we use Hall Hall dot com.
0: Right. Um, it's funny. I, I really resisted. I'd heard about Slack a hundred times. I'm sure. Um, and I just hadn't adopted it because I was like, well, we use email. Like, what's wrong with email? The problem with email is more friction. So to be able to, you know, say, some, you know, say something to the group really quickly in Slack, it's, you just start typing. There's no, yep. like, add. So if you start an email, you've got to add the people to the, to the email and then add a subject line. And then, yep. you know, it's just more steps, you know.
1: I haven't sent an email to the team In at least six months. Yeah. Maybe more. But we communicate actively every single day.
0: Yeah. That being said, if you're just two people, it makes no sense for you to have like a a chat tool, I don't think. I disagree. Really? Okay.
1: Okay. Well, here's the thing your chat tool might be Skype,
0: it doesn't matter what your
1: chat tool is. Yes. But I think an active instant messaging communication system is far superior to email, no matter whether you're two or 50.
0: We used uh, Hangouts, Google Talk. Sure. That's what that we that's used. It, but that's the
1: same thing, really. I mean, yeah. the EDD team used uh, Google Hangouts for at least six months or a year. Right. Yeah.
0: It's not quite as good, though, right? Because you can't, you still have to, like, initiate a group chat. You have to, like, that's start. Yeah. yeah, we just
1: had one that we just left open all the time.
0: Oh, okay. That makes sense. Hmm. So another question he had uh, is, did it take a lot of effort to train them? Uh, to be able to support your plugins, um. uh, this
1: is a this is a hard question, uh, and it's not a hard question. It's a hard one to get an answer to. Because here's the thing, um, for me personally, I'm a I'm terrible at training someone. I used to think that I could train someone to do their job, uh, and whether that's in support or development, I realized later on that that simply is not true for me. Uh, some of that is because I don't think I'm a great teacher. Uh, and two, because I personally don't have the time to train someone.
0: Yeah. I, so, think,
1: the, I think the problem
0: is training remote, remotely, just training people remotely is just really hard, right? Because if you're sitting next to someone, right, and whenever they have like an issue that they cannot solve, they'll just tap you on the shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. But they may not have that luxury if, you're, if they're remote. You may not be online. Right, and so they put it off. They don't even write it down, so they never learn it. So it's, I, I've found that mentoring and training remote employees is extremely difficult. Yes. Um. So I would, I would not, I would forego that. I would not. I would try to hire someone who is kind of self motivated to learn on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hundred percent agree. That can figure things out on their own and, and direct themselves. Uh, cause it's, yeah, you're going to be <laughs> spending a lot of your time, uh, training them. If, if I, I had,
1: uh, over the last couple of years, I'd hired a couple of people that like I, I had to train when we brought them on and it just ended up not being a good experience. And honestly, I don't think it was a good experience for anybody. Right. Um, it, they, they didn't work out. We ended up parting ways, uh, for various reasons. Uh, but then those people that have not needed to be trained, Those are the people that are still with me. And those are the people that I'm actively interested in bringing on. Uh, One of those reasons, like, I think what, Brad, you already mentioned is being self-motivated. To be honest, if you're not self-motivated, probably not going to work well together. And one of the reasons for that is because I'm not a very good boss. Uh, I am not a director. I, number one, I don't really have a lot of interest in directing people. I want to work with people. Mm -hmm. And that means that you you have to be self-motivated to yeah. know what needs to be done. Yeah, yeah sure. There's going to be times when I'm going to, like if I am in that leadership position, I'm going to ask you to work on this or tell you to work on this or that. But in those times that I'm not actively directing you, you need, you need to be self-directed. Yeah. And so I think it's very clear when you find somebody who's self-directed because if you don't give them something to work on, they find something to work on.
0: Yes. Otherwise,
1: exactly. they sit on, sit on their hands. And yeah. so if they're sitting on their hands... They're not. They're definitely not self-motivated, uh, and to me, that's a really big mark of a good employee and somebody that is a good potential for an employee.
0: Yeah, one way I've f- I've found to snuff that out is, uh, or that's the wrong word, sniff that out would probably be more <laughs> appropriate. I was trying
1: to figure out where you're going with that. <laughs> um,
0: is is to ask them for their opinions. When when you're yes. in the trial period, ask them what they think about this, what what they think about that, and and justify their opinion and defend Self-driven their position. People
1: tend to have an opinion.
0: They, what's that?
1: Self-driven people tend to have an opinion. Exactly,
0: and and th- those that aren't almost never do. They they yeah. just like they shrug it well, off. They're like I don't care, about, whatever. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay, what what looks good about it? In what way? I what don't know. sucks on it? Yeah, <laughs> if people can answer that, honestly, that's a good sign yeah yeah how do you find those people though uh brad i know you obviously have a couple of those people working with you how did you find them
0: yeah um and one thing i want to say about i, I mentioned earlier the 12 like we went through 12 people or whatever i don't, I don't even know if that number is accurate uh it was, it was thereabouts um but a lot of those people actually didn't even um they they didn't they didn't it, they couldn't synchronize their daily work with, with the trial period. They just they didn't have enough time to devote. They just couldn't juggle the two things. And so that was the majority of the people that dropped off from the trial is that they just couldn't juggle the two things. Um, so you, that's one thing to watch out for when you're hiring, I think, is um, like the two guys that I ended up hiring are, had time to devote to actually going through the trial process, like it's significant amounts of time. So, I mean, that's one thing that Dave uh, in his blog post mentioned, right, that he was doing this while working full time and he found it excruciatingly difficult to go through his trial with Automatic uh, at the same time that he was putting in full time hours at his at his day job. Um, So that's one thing I would watch out for. Yeah, Um, definitely.
1: Like when you when you can when you do find that person, they're pretty easy to identify. Because they're working that full-time job, but they're still there late at night trying to get things done.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, uh, it definitely... You can definitely find the people that have grit. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. But I, I don't necessarily want to eliminate the people that that aren't willing to work ridiculous hours, right? Like, I'm I'm one of those people, to be frank. And so I, I wouldn't not want to hire me, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I... I that's why I kind of shied away from that part of automatics um, hiring process. That you know, it's basically a boot camp.
1: Um, well, and be honest, it, it's a little hard to love what you're doing if you have to, if you're if you're forcing yourself to work extra hours just to go through a process like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you come home from work, you know, probably pretty tired from working. <laughs> <laughs> and then you gotta go work for automatic or or whoever you're trialing with i mean it's just it's it's hard it's right grueling. yeah and you do that for four weeks straight i mean that's oof, that's a tall order right especially you know if you have you know kids and a lot of other obligations um it, yeah, it's, it's almost impossible this
1: is uh this is definitely not true for everybody and this is something that honest i feel exceptionally lucky to have been able to do um but one of the ways that I found Uh, every person that works on the EDD team now made themselves available to me, basically. Or not necessarily available, they made themselves visible. Uh, People that are self-motivated also tend to be the kind that will kind of like perk up and say, hey, I'm here. Uh, And so every person that's on the EDD team were people that were either involved in the support form, maybe they just like started answering tickets for people, just volunteered. Uh, maybe they, they wrote a theme or they wrote a plugin for EDD. They did something, or they wrote a core patch or reported bugs. But basically, they through their actions, they made themselves visible. And so they caught my eye. And when they kept doing that, and I was able to see that they had this this drive to to keep building something cool and to keep working, I approached them and said, hey, would you like this? Right. And that's worked for at least four different people so far. Um so if you're in the position where you have maybe it's a development community or a user community where those kinds of people possibly can make themselves visible to you, pay attention. Yeah, because that's where you're going to find your best employees.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, one of one of the guys that works part time for us, uh, Ross McKay, uh, he was uh, a, an avid user of Migrate DB Pro, and he so much so that he was blogging about you know using our hooks you know to to do yeah. stuff and and everything and so that's uh,
1: exactly how how my guys were.
0: yeah i'm not sure how we ended up connecting uh, or maybe we just found his blog post i'm not sure or he contacted us i can't remember but it, the bottom line is like you know he was already very much engaged with the product and, and our business yep. right so
1: it's, it's varied for me uh a couple of the guys, like, they started actively contributing and actually even, like, went as far as to say, like, hey, I'd be interested in doing more of this. Yeah. Uh, one of them, uh, who Sean, who I we recently hired full time, uh, he was doing a lot of blogging and development on EDD. Like, he had built his own EDD theme. He, he was writing tutorials for EDD all on his own site, just, like, building up his own stuff. Right, uh, but never once came and said, "Hey, I would like to work with you or for you or anything like this." Um, but he was still very visible, and right. so like I approached him and said, "Would you like to work with us? This yeah. would be awesome. You're doing amazing things."
0: Yeah, so that's the definitely the first place that John should be looking. It's looking at like who's using his product, who's talking about it, and yes. who who might be available uh, that might be interested. I think and it's that's-
1: also important to know that it's not just for developers. Like, yes. that's where you, you can find great support people as well you can right. find a great support person that doesn't know a lick of code
0: right well here's the thing I noticed about it seems like in his questions he is leaning towards hiring a support person not necessarily a developer it sounds like that's where, where he's leaning but he might be better off hiring a developer who can also help him with support and development because this is his first employee right um, So that if would, he can get
1: both that's that would, awesome
0: yeah because then that'll free him up to do you know run the business to grow the business to do the things that you know hiring someone to do is not going to be it's not going to be easy or at this stage probably just pretty much impossible to hire someone to run your business for you right so absolutely yeah anyways should we should we wrap it up
1: yeah, I think we're getting about then. Uh, this has been fun. I really like talking about business, and I know, Brad, you do too. So if anybody has additional feedback, would like us to continue doing more episodes in the future for business. Obviously, since we're focusing on development, we're going to get back to doing a little bit more dev talking. But I think we'll probably do some some more business episodes every now and then. So if you have any feedback, let us know.
0: Definitely. Uh, also, check us out on iTunes and drop us a, a five-star Uh rating and a review if you want we'd be more than happy to read that and i think Pippin still has that invitation. Yep. To...
1: Offer is still good. I actually had a two uh, at least one plugin come in last week that was able to take a look at and give some feedback to the user to the developer. Right. Which right. Was so fun. If,
0: so if you leave a, a, an iTunes review, Pippin will review your your product for you on on WordPress uh, and Is that right?
1: Yeah, or anywhere else. Just just have to be able to send me a copy of it cool uh, and also uh, just a thanks to our our ongoing sponsors the WP ninjas the creators from uh, ninja forms and ninja demo both very cool products and plugins to go take a look at they've been extremely helpful in their continual sponsorship of applied filters so let us do some kind of cool things so thank you to them awesome well uh, I guess that's it till next time everybody yep. thanks catch you soon